three, two, one. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Creators Lounge podcast. I am your host, Ben Jay, and we are back with another incredible episode. So this episode started by uh, the guest reaching out to me, you know, saying, can, can I jump on the show? And I was, uh, I was like, I checked it. I actually checked his page and I saw some of my friends also followed him. And I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, oh wait, I've kind of seen you around the community a little bit. I was like, okay, let's make it happen. So uh, I, I said, yeah, we talked about some times and um, late last night, I had I such a busy, I have such a busy schedule. I was, I was up late last night, uh, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m typing out the outline, doing some research, making sure I was ready for the episode and sent it over to him and then literally just passed out for the night. So I'm up again, time to record and let's jump into it. My man, give us the introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris, AKA Soundwave. Everybody calls me Soundwave, even in my hometown. Um, <laughs> where am I from? I think I'm, I was born in Oregon, but I've lived in Cali most of my life. And what do I do? I, I press buttons all day on my keyboard, <laughs> and it makes cool sounds sometimes. <laughs> Pressing buttons is a fun life to live. I can't lie to you. Uh, and Ooh. so many, so many of us in the community like to press buttons for for a living or for our hobby. So, uh, taking it back to the beginning, let's go to the origin story, man. Um, for you, where did all this start in terms of music and art and self-expression? Uh, taking it way back, where did it all start for you? All of it really started, uh, I don't know, I just heard music on the radio, or I heard music in the car, and I was like, that's pretty cool, I think I can make this. And so uh, I got a piano, and I, I started doing like piano lessons and stuff, and I was like, that's how people make music, is they get like a little electronic piano and they start recording it or whatever. So that's kind of how I started, I got into piano and then I found out about Skrillex and then it all went to computers. <laughs> oh my gosh, Skrillex was the unlock for so many people, um, especially. You probably get that a lot scene. too, huh? Oh, a lot. I'm not gonna lie, a lot, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, I think it's so cool that we have someone like Skrillex who has inspired so many individuals to get into the EDM scene, right? It just shows the power of what music can do, the power of what um, EDM can do, if you want to take it that way as well. But all it takes is one person living their ambition to inspire other people to also chase their ambitions as well. Um, you talked about listening to music on the radio and hearing sounds on the radio. So what kind of music was that were you hearing on the radio that kind of inspired you of like, oh, I like this, or this song means something to me? A lot of it, it was kind of like uh, the top 40 stuff. Like I think Black Eyed Peas was pretty cool when I was growing up. Uh, Teo Cruz, Teo Cruz, I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, sorry, Teo, if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that, and that's what I grew up with for the longest time. And then uh, I started kind of getting into the EDM stuff, like mm. Cruella and Skrillex and everybody coming up in like the 2010s. Mm. And that was when it really started to get to me. I was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. Oh, I mean, yeah. I want to hear from your point of view, though. What was it about the EDM stuff that you really enjoyed? Obviously, for some of the acts you mentioned, like Teo Cruz and also the Black Eyed Peas, they did have um, electronic influence, but you know, Cruella and Skrillex were 100% EDM um, back in the early 2010s. So what was it about acts like Cruella or Skrillex that made you so interested in their sound, made you so interested in what they were doing? From a young age, young age, I can't speak today. I've always had a, an infatuation with uh, different types of sounds. Like I'd hear something and I'd be like, oh, that's not a piano, that's not a bass. And so when I heard a total genre using these completely synthesized sounds, I thought it was really interesting. and. I guess young me was just kind of hooked. Yeah. It was so, it, it, yeah, I agree. Like, I remember also hearing EDM for the first time and um, and just being so enthralled by how they were creating these different sounds and things that you didn't normally hear. Uh, there's so much creativity that goes into electronic music um, because of the way the EDM is made. It's made on a computer. You can choose your waves you use, what filters you use, all the effects you want to add, and it just unlocks a whole new world of sound that we didn't have previously. What about, um, I'm not sure if it's changed any nowadays, you know, going from top 40 to EDM, is there any other genres or styles of music that also have influenced you throughout the years? 100%. Um, I used to never listen to anything except for EDM after I found out what it was. Um, but then I, some of my favorite EDM artists started putting out uh, like more future bass or like more hip hop crossovers. And that kind of led me to more melodic music like that. The future bass guy kind of drifted towards film score. I don't know why. 
so like that that was kind of one direction is like really pretty stuff and then i kind of got into like noisia cone sound like uh, just really complicated sound design stuff mm. so it kind of it went two directions that's amazing dude yeah <clears throat> even for those acts right there that you mentioned noisia cone sound um artists who do feature bass it's it's so interesting to me you know even though we call it EDM or electronic music, it's like such an umbrella term. There's so many different types of subsets and subgenres and uh, different variations of a sound that happen even within EDM or happen within electronic music. It's not that you can say electronic music and immediately know what they're talking about. It's more like, okay, you know, what exactly though? Is it like folk yeah. EDM? Is it orchestral future bass? Is it drum and bass? Is it, you know, like this, even like an act like, uh, like Apex Twin, like Apex Twin, like they're yeah. considered electronic music, but like a lot of people just call it ambient, you know, or yeah. <laughs> new age or something. Like it's such a diverse umbrella term um, and so much fits under it. So, recognizing the different sounds and styles you've been through, uh, you've been into throughout the years, how has that affected your identity as a person? Uh, the things that you relate with and the things that uh, have shaped you as a person? Definitely, uh, I want to say the vibe of the music. I feel like I kind of picked up on, uh, like, if it was a happy song or a sad song, and that would kind of be my personality to some extent. Mm. And a lot of it is like, I'll put myself into the music. I'll kind of, like, if I'm going through a hard time, you'll hear that in the music or if i'm feeling aggressive and like woo party time you'll hear that as well and so a lot of it is like capturing a piece of emotion or just something and then putting it into this audible experience that you can translate and kind of empathize with or emotionally feel to some extent that's kind of what really shaped me is the feeling of music i guess mm, i love that yeah it's, it's funny but it's so true um <clears throat> music is such a it has such an emotional connection with us i think especially as artists and so having that um having that form of art that can make you feel understood make you feel heard through the lyrics or through the sound or uh, help you to express yourself by the creation process so whether you're listening and you have that sense of empathy or whether you're creating and you have that source of output music is so powerful in the way that it's connected with uh, with emotions and mental states as well i feel like so then, you know, this background of music, you listened to a lot of music, you loved a lot of music, it really hits you. At some point, you started be producing music. So talk to me about that. When did you become a music producer? That was uh, when I found out what FL Studio was. I thought that was uh, the coolest thing in the world. I found it on YouTube. And uh, it was like some Martin Garrix tutorial, like how to make the <laughs> animals pluck or whatever. And I was like, that's software, not, not a piano or whatever. Like at the time, I was learning every song I could on piano and... I think software really changed it for me back in like 2014 picked it up and just kind of started throwing paint at the wall mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just a, another outlet to express myself and then learning piano kind of translated really well because the piano role was so crucial in music production mm. oh absolutely man absolutely and I, I find it interesting that um it's, it makes sense, obviously, but for you being into music and so learning about piano to be able to replicate that music, um, but then obviously getting to EDM where there's a lot more focus on sound design and uh, composition and layers and, and things of that nature. Talk to me about creating your own sound um, as a music producer, because obviously when we're talking about EDM, you get to control every single level of what's being done. Uh, through the sound design and through the composition and through the layers that you're putting together and and the samples that you use as well. So talk to me about that, you know, coming from all the different things that inspired you so greatly. What has it been like for you trying to shape your own sound and find your own voice within your music production? That's a good question. Um, a lot of it comes from like just trying to make the coolest sound. Like I, I hear some Space Laces track and I would think it's really cool. And the energy that that evokes is something that I would try to replicate in my own sound. And then once I had that, I would have another method of creating the sound that I could just kind of use whenever I'm feeling a creative block. Mm. And so it's, it's kind of a stacking thing, like a stack and build. You learn here and then you take whatever you learn from that and then you apply it to the next situation while also leaving room to learn from that situation as well. So it's, it's sort of just like a progressive learning experience and creating my own sound or trying mm. to create the most aggressive texture is i think the goal mm. just like the nastiest most resonant noise you can make but <laughs> as clean as possible which <laughs> defies reason but 
but I totally, but like cool. for you and me both being into electronic music, I know exactly what you're referring to. <laughs> so to anyone outside of the community Not when down. he did it, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, that's such an ambition. Um, you know, like, like we, we, we keep referencing sound design and then now you said just you now like being as aggressive as possible. There's such a focus on, in electronic music specifically, there's such a focus on emotion and the sound. And so whether it's someone who's going for the deepest basses, the most growling basses, the most aggressive basses, um, it could also go to the other side as well, where people, I've talked with an artist before about how they were trying to make a very crystallized sound, a very glassy sound. And so, you know, focusing more on the on the treble side of things, like this, the connection there is undeniable between um, what, what sound you're using and what emotion it's evoking. I want to ask you about your name, actually, real quick. Talking about sound design, Soundwave. How did you decide to use Soundwave as the as the moniker? Actually, uh, I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but it came from a Transformer. If you ever watched Transformers Prime, that was my favorite show growing up. And uh, I was like, that Soundwave guy is cool. He doesn't talk, and he he does cool stuff. So I'm gonna be like him. And that's kind of where it came from. But I also was like, it's a double entendre, because like. I kind of have the faceless, don't post on Instagram, only post music aesthetic as it is, mm -hmm. like kind of super serious, but it's also like literally sound waves. Like I'm, I'm making, I don't know, <laughs> it's so hard to explain without coming across as basic, but like I'm making sound waves and I'm embodying, embodying the personality of sound wave to some extent. Yeah. That sounds dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's lit, dude. To me, that's lit. I fucking love that because, um, <laughs> like you said, it's a bit embarrassing to talk about, and yet so many of us just come from like uh, uh, otaku background, like animation background, or like cartoon background, or comic book background. You know, like we grew up on on shows like Dragon Ball or or Naruto or Pokemon or even Transformers. You know, Scooby Doo, uh, like all these different cartoons and animation and comic book, all of that kind of culture, pop culture, um, was so influential for a lot of us who are into EDM. Um, and I'm sure music in general, but I especially see it in EDM. And so, yeah, I love that, dude. I think it's cool. It adds a little bit of character and flair to it because there's a little bit of that nostalgia and kind of retro vibe. But then also, obviously, you're doing your own thing and creating your own brand around it as well, putting your own spin on it. And come on, like, to be honest, like, what? There's really not that much... There's not that many things that are new in life. You know, like, we're always just, like, recycling ideas and borrowing inspiration from someone else, you know? We just put our own spin on it. So... You know, having you admit, you know, the origin of your name, uh, I'm, I'm also curious about, you know, self-esteem as well. A lot of music producers are very self-critical um, and that's part of the process of like, the more self-esteem you can build, the more self-confidence you can build, the more able you are in terms of creating art and putting art out into the world. Because if you love it, then you're not afraid to show it to other people. I'm really curious about your self-talk um, in terms of this. You know, what is your kind of self-talk for yourself, Chris? You know, making music, trying to figure out the process, learning from tutorials, uh, picking up piano just to be able to express yourself. How, what does your self-talk look like? Is it largely negative? Is it largely positive? Does it vary day to day? Like, how do you, how do you think about self-talk for yourself? Um, I sort of have a perfectionist mindset, so I'll, I'll beat myself up a little bit. It used to be really bad starting out. Um, like I thought, nobody's gonna like this. It's just EDM, like everybody wants top 40 stuff. I'm never gonna make a career out of this. And so that was, I think that's something normal for all producers to go through. But uh, once you hit a certain point, you just kind of realize I'm doing this because it's fun and I'm doing this for me. And there's no reason that I should worry when I'm creating the coolest sounds anyways. <laughs> like there's no reason that I should worry about the top 40. I'm kidding, by the way, but like, nah, dude, no, 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 like, no. Like, you're actually have a great point there, and I kind of love that confidence. I wish that uh, more of us could embody it. Like, we are the music makers, in the words of Gene Wilder. Uh, <laughs> like, we're the music makers. You know, we're making the sound. We're expressing this emotion. We're putting it out there for other people to to resonate with and to empathize empathize with. Like, we have control of that, and so we shouldn't be we shouldn't feel bad about ourselves. We shouldn't be beating ourselves up. We literally have a power that very few people have. Not everybody can jump into FL Studio or Ableton or Reason or Cubase and start pushing buttons and make it sound good, you know? And so we actually have a very high level skill. And obviously, yeah, we're always improving and getting better at it. But even where we are right now is already a great stage and it's only up from here. Following off of that, I think um, 
as you do music more and as you get older, I guess, as well, just because of the nature of society and, and uh, governmental structures. A lot of people think more about what the mission is with their music and what's the purpose of their music, what they're trying to do with it. For you, Chris, I'm not sure how much you've thought about it, how much you've figured it out for yourself. You know, obviously you mentioned you're doing it because it's fun. Do you have some sort of mission with your music, some kind of ambition that you're trying to achieve with it all? Um, so it's very blanket term when I say like, oh, this is my musical. But um, a lot of it is like, I'm trying to make the sound that I wish existed. Like I'm trying to make the song that I wish I could listen to. And that might sound a little bit conceited, but it's like that song doesn't exist yet. And anybody has the opportunity to go and make that song. And so I think if you take the initiative to get better and better and better, you can eventually be the person to make all those songs that you wish existed. And I think that to some extent as everybody's goal is just getting the ideas off their head that they think is the coolest it doesn't have to be the coolest to anybody else it can be the coolest to you mm. and that's kind of what i'm doing with it is thinking hey i have this sound in my head now let's try for six hours to replicate it in a serum like, <laughs> it, it's, it's just kind of like the satisfaction of it's almost like sculpting like mm. you're you're doing pottery and you're making this pot and Starts out as a little ball of clay, but turning it into like this beautiful vase is something that you can really be proud of and <clears throat> sort of enjoy, especially if you're doing it for yourself. Absolutely, man. I love that. Yeah, the comparison with sculpting is something I think about a lot because, um, yeah, the interesting thing about sculpting is you start with something that's completely imperfect and you slowly make it perfect. And so it's the same way with uh, humanity, with skills like music. You know, you start off not knowing anything at all and you slowly learn a little bit, little bit, little bit more until it's it's able to be exactly what you're trying to, to create and put out into the world. You kind of... Um, I was going to say... Go ahead. Because, um, I, I don't know, maybe new people are watching this, mm. but I know when I was starting out, I was like, oh man, this sucks. I, I hate this. This is the worst idea ever. I'm not Skrillex. This is terrible. And... um basically uh i wish somebody had told me like if you're at bottom if you're at rock bottom there's nowhere to go except up so if you're making all these sounds that you're not satisfied with the only thing you can do is improve so the more you keep doing it and the more repetition and familiarity you gain the more proficient you'll be in creating those sounds in your head <clears throat> dude i absolutely love that so thank you for mentioning it um it's completely true I think the sad thing that happens is um, hitting rock bottom can either be the best thing or worst thing that happens to you. It can be Absolutely. the worst thing because you just continue to feel like absolute shit and so you just keep trying to dig yourself deeper uh, through self-hate and through self-judgment of like, I'm never going to be good enough, why am I even trying? Or like you said, the perspective can shift of like, oh wait, this is the worst I've ever been great now it's up you know you start figuring a way how to improve how to get better how to climb out of that hole and it's just it's a perspective game right it's a perspective game because if you're looking what you see is what you look for what you see is what you look for and so if you're looking for reasons to quit and give up i promise you you're going to find them but if you're looking for ways to improve and develop then you're also going to find a way to do that as well and then it's just a matter of practice and grit and repetition and, uh, and motivation, self-motivation, not outside motivation. Well, sometimes outside motivation, but a lot of internal motivation of like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to keep going. Um, that's powerful. It's, it's important that we spread that message more for younger creators and even established creators because we continually struggle with self-esteem throughout our life journeys and trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing with it all. In that same vein, um, obviously, Chris, you put out three singles already on the Soundwave project. How are you approaching your releases? Is it something that you're really like thinking about in terms of strategy? Like, okay, I'm gonna pr promote the song for six months. I'm gonna promote the song for three months. Uh, um, I'm gonna think about the visuals and stuff like that. Or is it more of just like, I finished a song, let's put it out there. How are you approaching your releases uh, for the Soundwave project? Definitely all about branding. All about marketing, all about branding. Um, actually, I talked with uh, Minesweeper, if you know who that is mm -hmm, about this. Mm -hmm. He's one of my good friends. and. Um, he was telling me, like, honestly, dude, it's 70% branding and marketing and 30% music. And that, that's something that really shifted my whole perspective. I was kind of doing the thing where I made a song and I drop it and it wouldn't get much traction. But after I realized, oh, I can I can brand this, I can make it something visually and audibly appeasing while also expressing the same type of emotion that mm. I'm trying to get across with my brand. And so, um, 
that's kind of why the releases are slow. That's why I only have threes because I want each release to count and I want each release to sort of make its impact and not just be the song you listen to for two weeks, you know? Question real quick on that, Chris. Um, you talked about mm -hmm. before you would take a song, put it out there, didn't get much traction. How did you feel at that point? Did you feel like you were failing? Did you feel judgment? Um, did you feel okay with it? Like, how did that affect you emotionally? Until I understood that it's intentional effort to actually make it in the music industry, I, I felt kind of hopeless and I was kind of disappointed for a while. I was like, I think this is good music. I think it, like people should like this, you know? And I feel like every producer goes through that. And a lot of people think it's a big luck game. Like you just have to know the right people and you're sad or Skrillex repost it and then you're sad. Or, <laughs> like everybody thinks it's this thing that you're just going to magically stumble across one day and it, it really isn't. And when I understood that, that shifted my whole perspective on music. I was like, wow, that's something that I actually have to work for. It's not something that I'm just going to get a lucky break on but, or get struck by lightning, pretty much. It's a, it's a huge topic, dude. It's a fucking huge topic um, because there's so many variables at play here. And I think that going back to that sculpture um, analogy we made before, it's for music producers just getting started there's so many questions of thinking about how is this going to play out how do i make it with my music how do i make, how do i become a success and so yeah like you said for a lot of uh, artists you know they start off thinking they need the cosign um literally had a conversation with uh, with an artist i know um who thought that getting on a big label was going to give them the break they needed and i was like you have no branding you have no content like no one you know no one's gonna find it you know even if someone hears it they're not necessarily gonna follow you because they don't know who you are as a as a, as a brand and so you know and, and again it's no judgment because i'm also figuring it out we're all figuring this out we're at different stages and kind of what i've noticed is that um it's about uh, largely about strategy what strategies you're implementing right and so even if you're fucking grinding 24 7 if you have the wrong strategy, you're just wasting your time, essentially. You know, and so back to your point about what Minesweep had told you about 70% marketing, 30% music. Like, um, I, I largely agree with that because I'm not sure if I agree with him on the specifics, but I definitely agree on that idea because so many music producers are spending so much time in the studio, it becomes a habit to them. And so they're thinking, because I'm grinding so much in the studio, because I'm making music that's so good, everyone's going to accept me. And no, that's not true because you're in the studio. Everyone else is living their normal life. Nobody knows you exist, you know, which it sounds quite tough to say, but it's also to some extent true. You know, if you have the best music in the world, but it's not on the Internet anywhere, then yeah, what, that doesn't help you at all. You know, you have to have to bring into the brandy and marketing side of it. Did you want to jump in? I was going to say that's probably the hardest to swallow pill as a musician. Mm is um and this is actually what forces a lot of people out of the music industry but realizing that you're basically becoming the next nike or the next disney or the next adidas like that's the way you really have to look at it if you want to make money um doing it for fun that's that's totally cool and i respect anybody who's just putting it out there and you know letting their music hear the world it. Oh, or, absolutely world absolutely but if you're trying to do this thing where you don't want a day job and this is your day job you have to kind of sacrifice a lot of the artistic well you don't have to sacrifice the artistic integrity if it's with your brand but you have to choose your brand very carefully and you have to choose your releases very carefully if that makes sense yeah i think what i would say is that you have to find the right strategies that work for you right and so yeah. for for some people it's going to be releasing a massive amount of music consistently for other people, it's going to be very selective uh, releases, but a lot of branding. There is different strategies and plans you can utilize. But to your point, Chris, like I absolutely agree. You can't just be throwing pennies in the wishing well, hoping that one of them comes true. It's got to be intentional. You know, you have to be able to admit to yourself, first of all, no, I want to do this full time. I want to be doing this for my living, because if you're doing it for a hobby, and you're telling yourself mentally, I want to do it for for the money or the recognition or like the the success or whatever. Not in a negative way, by the way, like in a, in a totally viable, I respect that sort of way. You're deluding yourself because your actions are just like on the playground, but your mind's on the stage and it's not going to work out the way you keep telling yourself it's going to. And so uh, it's yeah, like you said, it's a hard pill to swallow, realizing that how you've been approaching your content or your art or your music is not the way that's going to um 
best work for you, best work for your brand, best work for your ambitions, but it's also necessary. And so we have to be willing to have those hard conversations with ourselves of like, I'm not as effective as I could be. I'm not as productive as I could be. I'm not as um, I'm not as masterful as I could be. You know, there's improvement, there's room for improvement. And uh, so having that hard conversation is essential for building the kind of success we want to build. What about your creative process then, Chris? What does your creative process look like? You know, like you said, you're being very intentional with the songs you put out there. You're being intentional with your branding. So for your creative process, what does it look like? Does it go from like you sketching ideas and then going to the DAW? Does it go from you jumping to the DAW and then figuring it out afterwards? Do you do like um, idea boards? Like what does your creative process look like for a music release? Um, honestly, in terms of developing the song itself, I'm pretty freelance with it. I'll just sort of, um, actually, I don't know if you know who Kato Foxy is either, but um, uh, great friend. They were telling me about how basically the best way to make music, in their opinion, is to just kind of throw paint at the canvas. If it doesn't work, then do another thing or replace the sample or the lead or whatever. But keep that idea in your head and mm -hmm. just keep working it until it clicks. Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of my approach to it is just sort of spending hours making cool sounds and being like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> so it, it's not as flashy as everybody thinks. Like you just sort of get in these habitual processes of, oh, I click here, I do this, and it sounds good. And you kind of go back to the same effects and that's where your signature sound starts building. And I think a lot of the creative process for me is really just trying everything that I can, all possibilities. And then uh, whichever one sticks the best, especially with the Soundwave brand, like using similar sounds in there, or, um, just things that are going to make you know it's a Soundwave song. Mm. We'll also get it across. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, again, there's no judgment on the creative process. It's different for every single person. So it's not like one way that works. Um, I like to hear different people's experience with it. Um, because Same. I think, you know, like the, I know um, an artist named Sekai. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they had jumped on, on, on Instagram the other day and posted this, a great uh, TikTok video, repost from TikTok, where they said, I want to make a new song. And they started scrolling through all the songs they had not finished yet, you know? And so that's what, that's what a lot of producers, producers do, just create a shit ton of music, you know, and then kind of finish up certain ones that sound good. But then I have another friend over in Australia uh, named Drear. And uh, for Drear, he thinks very carefully before putting out an EP. So he has a whole process of like writing down keywords and then he finds pictures associated with the keywords and then he chooses a color palette. And then he jumps into the DAW to make sound design based around that color palette and those images he's chosen. So it's really cool. it is, it was really intriguing. He, uh, he sent me some images uh, from, uh, not sent me, he had a blog post on his website. And so I got to follow some of the links he had referenced. He had his Pinterest page for what he had done. And it was really insightful to see the way that he had created his uh, process very intentionally of uh, being very, very focused and, and creating something around that focused output. But, you know, it's different for every single person. So again, there's no judgment there. We have to find what works for you. Talking about creative process, we've also talked about branding. So I want to get more specific on branding next. Um, I love the art you use for the singles, uh, you know, some of the visuals you've chosen and things of that nature. So talk to me about, uh, about the branding and the marketing. What is the narrative you're trying to portray with it all? What's the story you're trying to tell with it all? What's the inspirations or the keywords or the flavor you want to represent with Soundwave? Um, first off, thank you. Also, shout out Max Bow on the art. I would die without him. Um, I think a lot of the intention is, um, I don't know if you heard the latest track Space Gangsta, but a lot of it is mashing the audio and the visual uh to be almost seamless so you look at space gangsta you hear sirens in the background mm -hmm. and you got this like spaceship with weapons on it and it's like it's sort of like the uh the bounty hunter vibe like you're a bounty hunter you're on the run from the space police or whatever and mm -hmm. like it's just sort of like a cruising song you know you you're like driving in your car and you're looking at all the lights going downtown and that was sort of the vibe i was trying to capture and so then i took the the art and I made that kind of visually aligned with the sound. And then all of that sort of fit within the space realm. So I put it on the sound. I do have other projects, by the way. You do, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not wave. <laughs> yeah. But those are kind of secret for now. Um, But I took it and I put it on the Soundwave project just because it stuck and it sort of had that spacey, ooh, you're being chased by space police feeling. Yep, yep. Um, 
but that's a great example is like just kind of trying to capture the vibe and then put it into a marketable understandable mm. uh cohesive experience with audio visual and of course whatever branding you have <laughs> yeah absolutely dude uh nice walk on that by the way i did know i did catch that that nuance there of the sirens and gangster and everything it's very cool touch it's fun right <laughs> it's, it's very fun because um you know going back like we talked about with sound design whenever you're the creative you have a hundred percent power which could be overwhelming for some people because there's so many different things you could focus on and put uh, special uh, little Easter eggs into. Um, but whenever you're able to stay productive, uh, obviously it can make a very cohesive output and it's very um, representative of what you're trying to express with your brand. So, and I think you're doing it quite well. You mentioned about walking with uh, with with uh, with the artist. So, do you like to walk completely solo, or how important is a team for you then, Chris? Um, I do like having my creative input and uh, being able to sort of get the ideas down and have it kind of unrefuted. But I also love the creative environment that comes with working in a group because you get to bounce ideas back and forth, obviously, but it also, it lets you tap into a different emotion. Say, for example, you're struggling with creator's block or writer's block and your buddy over there has a great idea and then he gets on the piano and plays it and then all of a sudden you're just completely filled with this new emotion that you had no idea existed mm -hmm. so i love working alone because it really gives you the chance to sharpen your skills and whatnot but i also love working in a group because it gives you the outside perspective that you needed <clears throat> oh absolutely i want to ask you one more question on this actually because um for a lot of us we turn to the internet to find people who are are like-minded people who have the same ambition and values as us. Do you have a lot of people in real life that are kind of giving you that inspiration? Or is it for you, is it mostly online? Um, it's back and forth because if I go online, then it's really to learn uh, just basic over umbrella techniques. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't necessarily copy it directly and then start playing with it It'd be something for me to sort of take into my own hands. But say, for example, Minesweeper teaches me like, hey, stack 1400 OTTs and it'll sound amazing <laughs> like that's something I'm gonna try out and then of course I'm gonna experiment with it but um I like getting advice more from friends because everything on the internet you kind of have to take with a grain of salt and uh plus I just like the hands-on experience your friend gets to show you over a zoom call or whatever and it's just it's a cool experience to kind of hang out and learn new things Dude, it's funny you mentioned that. I said the exact same thing last night. Um, I kind of realized recently the value of coaching from other people. Um, I've always been kind of the lone wolf type where I want to figure it out for myself, do it all by myself, you know, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, like you mentioned, one of the things that has become obvious to me throughout the years of, of learning and education in terms of, of music and content is that whenever you're taking information from the internet, it's fantastic, it's true, it's beneficial, but it's umbrella. And so it's gonna be different for every person, how they interpret it and how they apply it in their lives. And so that's where having um, a friend or a coach in your life that can say, okay, apply it right here, change this specific part of your process, change this part of your process. They can see it better because they know who you are they're with you they can see exactly where you're messing up or where you could be doing better and so if you're taking the information from the internet from someone like it's true and it's beneficial but you might not know how to apply it in the most effective way having a team around you that can give you that specific guidance of like okay take this and apply it in this field in this field in this field is so incredibly beneficial and kind of going off of that i want to talk more about some of the lessons that you've learned so Let's go with music production first of all, since that's obviously your your uh, main uh, main dish. What have you learned about music production over the last uh, the space of time you've been doing music for? What have you learned the most from it? That is a very very difficult question to answer on the spot. Um, you can give it, th and if you want to, could it be beneficial for the audience as well? What are some of the big things you've learned, you know, throughout your spaces being your time of being a music producer? Obviously, you mentioned about how important marketing is and how you can't overvalue what your sound quality is. So that is one very big one. Uh, is there anything else though, that kind of stands out to you as like some of the two or three or four lessons that you've kind of picked up along this time of being a producer? If anything comes to mind, please, man, drop it. Let us know. Yeah, I think um, definitely don't be afraid of the weird sound that you won't touch because if you process it and you do cool things with it, one, you're going to learn new techniques. Two, you're going to find out that you can turn pretty much any sample into the coolest thing ever. Um, so definitely don't be afraid of 
what you think is a bad sound or what could potentially scare you off from doing something because mm -hmm. all avenues of creativity are open. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I learned, but also um, just to value your production and understand why you're doing it. Like a lot of the time people are producing for DJs or they're producing for the live set or whatever, and they get so wrapped up in that that they forget that they're doing it for fun for whatever reason. Maybe it is to be, you know, doing it for DJs or whatever, but you should be more focused on your brand if <laughs> that's the case. And for the people who are not liking how their song comes out, I say just really make something for you. Don't make anything for anybody else and don't be afraid to try new things that you think won't work because who knows, maybe they will. And maybe you'll <laughs> figure out a new genre or something along the way. Authenticity. Authenticity is such a, such a valuable thing because I tell it to people all the time. You know, there's literally no one who's 100% carbon copy exactly like you. And so the more authentic that you can get, the more unique you can get. And that uniqueness enables you to stand out. You know, so like you're saying here, Chris, you know, you don't have to be trying to fit into another group. You can stand out and build an audience around your special thing that you do. And that's totally viable. And it's actually probably the best way that you go about it because it builds so much more fulfillment and happiness of I did this for me and people appreciate for me. You know, appreciate me for me. I'm not doing it to live up to someone else's expectations. You know, whenever you're going through the try to get radio play, try to get DJ play route, you know, in that case, you're trying to fit into a mold. But when you're doing your own authentic thing, you're doing it for yourself and making your own brand new mold. So, yeah, I completely agree on that. Um, mindset and perspective. Is there anything that you've learned about mindset and perspective throughout your process? Um, I mean, we kind of cover mindset and perspective with that last question. Um, but I'd say strictly mindset and perspective. Um, think about what's effective to the listener. I, I know we just said make music for yourself, but mm. if you're if you're going down the route of my music needs to be perfect and I can't get it to sound right, you are more than likely not going to have any of those issues you're thinking of with the listener. So I think mentally just shave the mix into being. And what that kind of means is like if, if you've ever shaved your face or like let's whatever i don't know <laughs> so, like, if you've ever shaved anything if you've ever shaved, <laughs> um, it, you have to come across it several times to get like a, an actual smooth shape you know mm -hmm. it's, it's not just once and you're done mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that applies to mixing and making the right sound uh, people think you just slap it in and it's done and you're good but a lot of it is just shaving it into being or a lot of people will mix aggressively where they they'll make really bold movements and They'll, it won't work for them because they're making too big movements. But um, I think the best way to go about it is just to kind of shave things into being and sort of back to the sculpting thing is be slow, be intentional with mm -hmm. it. Don't get too stressed about it because you're in control and it's, it's music and you can always take breaks and stuff like that. But a lot of it is like the mental game you're playing with yourself of like, this doesn't sound good. This does sound good. Why can't I get it there? Yeah and chill with it shaving it up you know <laughs> yeah, like you said dude like it's completely true what the audience hears versus what the producer hears are not the same thing and so a lot of the stuff that producers are hyper focused on the audience is never going to even cross their mind about that's there right and so you know the argument there goes into two separate ways versus like yes but it's not as good as it could be versus okay but am i selling out to the you know selling out to the crowd and you have to find your own peace with that you know how do you feel about it personally but you know i think quick rule of thumb if you're so focused on a certain aspect of your production that is causing you to have anxiety, racing thoughts, depression, and, and that sort of thing, then it's probably not worth it <laughs> because you're only hurting yourself and no one else cares about it either. Um, so jump back, get back into perspective. It is your art. Like you said, Chris, like you're refining it. Be patient with yourself and uh, just continue to improve over time. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect every single time. It's always incrementally better the longer you do it. I want to ask you that one is the thing is, um, mm, go uh, ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was going to say a lot of the songs are just going to be rinsed out for two weeks or whatever, and then it'll move on to the next. So by forcing yourself to finish these songs and forcing yourself to kind of go, okay, the listener is going to think it's okay. You'll get more into these states where you can put out more music, which is crucial. If you are going to brand is stockpiling music and getting it all done. So don't be afraid to finish a song, even if you don't think it's finished love that that's my last bit of sound wave i love that wisdom. dude i love that no it's important i think you're completely right um and i think it goes to other fields as well 
Um, I often give this example, you know, with uh, with Instagram and doing Instagram content for about three years. And when I first got started with Instagram content, I always thought it was the the one it was going to be one post that blew up and like everyone knew who I was that one post. And, you know, here I am like 900 posts later. I'm like, OK, it's not going to be one post. It's going to be that practice of consistently putting out, you know, content through ages, you know, and so same way with music production. You know, you could have that one hit success where they hear it and it goes crazy, but more likely what's going to happen is you're going to stockpile a bunch of music and put it out, you know, as it's appropriate or as it's needed or as it's necessary for your brand and your projects and everything. So finish songs and put them out there. You know, don't overvalue the one that you have. Um, you're a producer. You're going to be producing for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So keep producing. <laughs> I love that. I want to ask you one plus more you question. You... Say again. Sorry, I was just going to say, plus it gives you more room to free your mind and more processes. Absolutely. And you keep moving, you don't get stuck. I want to ask you one last thing. We might have mentioned something about this already that you might, might want to explore, explain more, or maybe you want to pass on the question completely. Um, you know, talking before about how if you have the wrong strategy, you're not going to be effective or you're not going to achieve your idea of success. Is there anything you can look at for your own life, for your own process, Chris, and be like, okay, I could do better at that area. I could do better at that stage. Is there anything that you feel like you're not doing um, as efficiently or as correctly as you could be doing it? I definitely think I'm a little too loose with um, a lot of the branding and a lot of the uh, production that goes into the branding. A lot of the times I'll get too wrapped up in the, oh, I'm making music for me side, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because it's more comfortable. And a lot of the times I'll sacrifice brand for artist integrity and balancing myself between that is really the hard thing is this cool idea expressed does not go with the brand. Therefore, I have to sort of make it fit and making that fit is definitely something I could do better. But I think that's just something you learn as you're more familiar with yourself and your brand and your music and just yourself as a person, I guess mm. it's a. Uh, very, very hard to articulate in the words, but um, I get what you're referring to. I understand. Um, I think, like you said, the conclusion is building more self-awareness around who you are and what you're doing, because, you know, even if you do stay completely disciplined and dedicated to one specific brand, we've also seen it happen a lot where people outgrow their brand. And so it's not fitting for them anymore, you know, and they have to go through a rebrand. Um, so in well, I mean, like, you, you can't have judgment for yourself, though, right? Because, like, you have to be back to the authenticity aspect. You know, you can't just be filling a box. And so if you build a brand for yourself and you think that you have to fit inside of it because you've invested so much time into it, that's just the whole, um, oh, I've got the phrase all of a sudden. Sunken cost? Yeah, the sunken cost fallacy, yeah. you know, where you feel like because you've put so much time, you're going to lose everything if you step away from it. And that's not the case. It's not the case. I know it's, it's hard to have that mentality when you're in it so deep. But I mean, like, look at people like Fox Stevenson, who previously had promoted the name Stan SB for like a very, very long time. You know, obviously he did a rebrand. It's worked out completely fine for him. Um, I remember the artist Chime as well. Um, he used to produce under the name, I think December was uh, his old stage name with Umbra, like a, yeah. with a three. And then at some point he was like, OK, this isn't working. Got to do a rebrand. So it became Chime. We've seen so many artists do it successfully. It's just a reminder that we can do it as well. So on one side, you're right, Chris, completely, you know, having a brand that reflects who you are and you can build it and be disciplined and craft it out more like that's very effective for building an audience. But then at the same time, you know, to go back to what we said about authenticity, you're in control of the brand. And so if you want to change the brand's direction or do a completely new brand, that's also up to you. And it's your choice. You know, we have to take responsibility and control for the choices that we're making and the things that we're doing with our lives. And so uh, letting your brand become this monster that you're feeding into is just as unhealthy as uh, as any as like staying there. So you've got to take control and just make the best choice for yourself at the different stages of life, I guess. That compromise is probably one of the hardest compromise for any artist to make. At least people, because you think about it, there are only 10 or 15 names that are really sticking in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Like people who are consistent, like, like the people who got COVID shows, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And those are the very lucky people or the very intentional people. And I'm guessing 90% of them are the intentional people who thought, <laughs> yep, this brand might not work, but... I'm going to go through with it because rebranding is going to lose a lot of followers. Mm. Uh, more than halfway through 2021, what is on the agenda for the rest of the year? Ooh, that's kind of a secret. Um, 
I'll throw a little hint though. Okay. Basically, there's this project I've been thinking about. It's called Sounds Good, okay. and there are going to be volumes of it. Can't say volumes of what yet, <laughs> but um, it, it's going to be like this experience, is what I'll say. So by the end of 2021, I have one of those set to be put out. Just waiting for visuals now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few labels that I'm trying to sort of work things out with. But okay. You know how it is with labels. Exactly. It's not in your control, so yeah. you do the best you can. <laughs> and then um, I'm doing my best to kind of get on the wave of new bookings because mm. with COVID being yep. sort of in the past now and shows right. coming back, right? Getting bookings is vital to maintaining your audience and sticking with your audience because they're they hear your music at a show they think it's good they're going to be fans for life because they experienced it and they thought it was awesome mm-hmm. so that's a big thing is getting back on shows kind of getting the brand train rolling again and mm-hmm. uh, putting out as many releases as i can just kind of waiting on artwork at the moment but. all right love that dude yeah concerts are so uh so important um i think that a lot of us can get caught up in the whole internet sphere and so i love the internet i think it's very important vital i like living there but you know if you're only living on the internet that's the only place your audience is and for musicians the opportunity to be able to do concerts is a way to connect with real people and it also translates to internet success as well because if someone sees you at the show you know they follow your social media they consume your content on the internet as well and so they go hand in hand you got to have a strong brand for the internet but you also should be doing something in real life as well whether it's concerts or fan events or whatever it may be radio interviews you know etc are you doing the bookings for the live shows by yourself or do you have someone like a manager helping you with contacting people no manager <laughs> we've done it all by ourselves well actually i rebranded um kind of during covid mm. but since then I've, I've done no manager i'm kind of trying to prove to managers that i can do it by myself first because that's also a big thing that nobody talks about mm. um actually i spoke with the manager for never say die mm-hmm. uh tom mm-hmm. and he was like hey dude like we, we can't accept you or whatever right now uh which is more than fair but he was like if you can prove to other managers mm-hmm. that you can like do all this stuff by yourself then they're going to be more keen to take you onto their team mm-hmm. and so i feel like it's kind of a learning process that i have to go through mm-hmm. is being my own manager and sorting out what brand i want and all that to really appeal to having someone who's going to actually take my career where i want it because mm-hmm. you can get a manager like you know pretty pretty easily but they're right. not going to be the manager that you yeah, that understands who you are and what your ambitions are, what you're trying to achieve. It's um, it's always difficult to find people like that that you can put into your community, whether it's a manager or a collaborator or an editor or whatever it may be. Filling those slots is hard because it's a personal, it's a personal experience. You know, you had a connection with those people. How's it been going for you, by the way, though, man? Like doing it by yourself and uh, trying to book shows and, and make contacts. Um, anything? What's that experience been like for you? A little bit stressful, not gonna lie, <laughs> yeah. but um. Honestly, I, I enjoy it. It's fun learning new things and kind of overcoming new challenges that aren't music related. Well, I mean, they are music related, but not production related. And, right. Uh, it really teaches you like how to not get screwed when you do get approached by a manager or a label or something like that. And that sort of just like little things. Like, have you ever heard the thing about like how you send a WAV file? in an email and then they're immediately just going to leave you on red <laughs> I like stuff but, like that yeah that you learn with no manager mm. or that you don't learn with a manager mm. um it, like just little tiny professional new i mean yeah i'm being super professional right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah like but in no, terms of emails specific and nuances and stuff. things yep 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 yeah. yep Makes sense. Makes sense, dude. Well, I mean, I, I wish you the best of luck with that. It's not an easy process. Um, I think balancing time is hard for uh, creatives in any, of any field because, you know, you want to give a lot of time to your art. But then, you know, like we've talked about a lot today, you've also got to give time to the branding. You've got to give time to the marketing. You've got to give time to the advertising, you know, the, the content output itself. And so, um, you know, fitting that all into one day takes both time but then also discipline because even if you have the time to be doing it you know all of those things in one day if you don't have the discipline you know you're going to get sidetracked and and start you know doing other things that are not as uh meaningful not as productive for what your ambition is and so um i understand your hustle and i hope it's going well dude all right i i always ask the guests if they're comfortable to leave a message to themselves of one year in the future so what would you say to Soundwave of um this episode will probably be out in August. So about August 2022, what would you say to yourself? Ooh. Um, 
I hope you're playing shows. Lots of them, but not too many. <laughs> um, if you figured out mixing by then, come back and teach me. <laughs> and um, just don't don't let it all get to your head. Don't don't let it turn you into someone who you're not. Because I know a lot of people join the music industry and then they kind of become this facade almost of their brand. They get so wrapped up. It's just it's bad, and I don't want that to happen. So. Yep. Those are probably the three things I would say to myself. Love it, dude. Thing. Fantastic. Um, we have a few questions from the audience, but uh, yeah, they're a bit, uh, I think some people are trying to prank you and kind of troll you here a little bit. So uh, nothing that serious, but I'll, I'll read them out anyway. We had the first one from a user named Kerosene Cocktails. When are you going to love me and live with me? Crying, crying, crying emoji. Prince <laughs> Sergio. And, uh, you're actually contractually obligated to come, come live here. So perfect. Next one is from uh, Dioscuri Music. Dioscuri Music. Not a question. Just want to say that you're an inspiration with a bunch of heart emojis. Uh, next Those one are the homies. Perfect. Ryan and Kyle. Shout out Ryan and Kyle. Awesome. Next one is from OG Logi. How many blueberries can you fit in your mouth? 97. Next one says from Ethan Ramsey. Why don't you play Modern Warfare more often? Cool emoji. Remember the last time I played Modern Warfare? Next question. <laughs> and that was the last one. All right, man, this has been incredible. Uh, with all the guests, we always do one final round, which is the speed round. So I'll just ask a very quick question. You can give a very quick response. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Favorite color? Red. Favorite food? Pasta. Favorite day of the week? Friday. Favorite movie? Uh, Iron Man. Favorite song at the moment? Kato Fox, Kato Fox, Windflower VIP. What leisure activities do you enjoy? Sitting down and watching movies. What countries do you want to visit? Ooh, um, Europe, Russia, Asia, all of them. <laughs> Name one person alive or dead that you want to have a conversation with. Nikola Tesla. What languages do you speak? Swedish, a little bit of Russian, and English. All right, and the last one, how do you want people to think of you? Oh, why you gotta do me like that on the last <laughs> one? <laughs> Save the best for last. Um, I don't know. Just think of me as a sound wave, I guess. I don't know, I, I just, that is a very hard question. It's a hard one. Hopefully not in a bad way. <laughs> Very good. My gosh, man, that was an awesome sound wave. Thank you for jumping in today. Uh, is there anything lastly in your mind you wanted to say to the audience listening? Anything we didn't get to touch on? If there's anything you want to say, say it out. Um, never give up. Pursue your dreams. Everybody laughed at me for wanting to be Big Music Boy, and now I'm Big Music Boy. <laughs> so if people laugh at you, stick to it. All right. Fucking love that. Everybody, thank you so much for watching the episode today. There's a lot you can learn from Chris, and obviously he does have incredible branding, incredible music, a really cool project. So I do recommend you go check out his page, check out his content, uh, interact with him, send him some love, some comments, and let him know what part of this episode impacted you the most. Um, I thank you guys for watching, and uh, if you want to reach out to us, we're both on social media, so hit us up. We can hopefully get back to you as soon as we have time. Everyone, have a great night, and take care. All right, man, it's a wrap. How do you feel?